When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. I just point to the logo on my chest and tell them, Slammy, ego. Slammy, ego. Slammy, What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 353 of the Talking Friars podcast and YouTube show. Ben Fadden here, March 4th, 2023. Saturday afternoon, the Padres, they beat the Diamondbacks today 5-4 at Salt River Field, uh, Talking Stick. Um, It's a pretty good ballpark. So, Padres win. Tatis, he returned to right field. Josh Hader made his Cactus League debut. For 2023, Robert Suarez saw his first game action. I think Tim Hill was supposed to pitch, but he didn't. I don't know what the reason was for that, but Kevin Acey said the other day that Hill was supposed to be in the game, and I didn't see him. So we'll see what's happening there. Maybe he just pitched on some backfields in Peoria today. Reese Kinnear started the game. Um, Steven Wilson had a scoreless inning. Luis Camposano had a home run to give the Padres that 5-4 lead. So a lot of stuff was happening. I wanted to start off with a Juan Soto update real quick because I know that some Padres fans are interested in knowing what's going on there because he was supposed to play this week. I think he was supposed to play yesterday. It might have been yesterday or today, and he's not playing. He's not going to play tomorrow's game either. 
against the A's because of the calf soreness. Melvin did tell the media earlier today before the Diamondbacks game that Soto, he's going to be able to do like some, I think, simulated action tomorrow. So he'll he'll be good to be on the field tomorrow. Just He's just not going to be in the game. They're just not going to rush that. And the WBC is coming up. He wants to be ready for that. Melvin said that he doesn't know what Team DR's plan is right now for the buildup to March 11th, which is their first game. Uh, but he did say that he has mild concern on, on Soto and his, his health, the calf, um, and how that's going to work out, him going to the WBC. Because Soto, he's been playing, like, what, half the game, half of games that he's been in. He hasn't been playing all nine innings. But when he goes to the WBC, he's going to be playing all nine innings because he's one of the stars of Team DR. He might not play all nine innings in pool play if they already secured a spot in the next round. Uh, but he's going to be playing a lot of them. He's going to get a lot of at-bats, and you know he's going to be going 100%. And if he's dealing with calf issues, calf soreness, I don't want to say issues, but like soreness, like he could go through it. He could play a game. He's going to play because that's how much it means to him and to other players on Team DR. So I am a little concerned with how this is going to go. Uh, I'm, I'm just hoping that it's not going to become a lingering issue this season with Soto. I'm not, I'm not like really concerned about this. Like, is this going to impact him all season long? I'm just kind of like Melvin, you know, mildly concerned about him maybe pushing it in the WBC because of how much he wants to win and how much he cares about this, right? He, he told the manager earlier this offseason that he was willing to hit ninth in this order as long as that allowed him to go on the team. And obviously, he did, he's not going to hit ninth, but that just shows how much he wants to be a part of this WBC, uh, part of Team DR. So I am a little concerned there, him pushing it, but... I don't think it's going to be a long-term thing. Like, even if he does push it and he has soreness still after the WBC, he can still, the Padres can still opt to then rest him for a few days and make sure that that calf is good going into the season. So I, I hope it's not going to be any long-term thing, right? Uh, KO says, Tatis... He's doing live at-bats tomorrow. Or Soto is. Yeah, Soto. I think that's what he's saying here. Yeah, Soto is doing live at-bats tomorrow. That's, I think that's what the schedule is for him. Uh, Blake Snell, by the way, he is starting tomorrow's game. And in today's game, Reese Kinnear started, went two innings, two hits, one run, three walks, two strikeouts, had two strikeouts in the first. Then his second inning of work, I think that Melvin wanted him to go probably three today. but. He only could go two because he had he already got to like 50 pitches in that second inning because of how long it took for that second inning. Uh, he had two walks, a hit he allowed, hit by pitch in the second. Um, I think he only allowed, what, one run in this game? It was a sack fly. Yeah, one run, but three walks. You don't really want to see that. But, I mean... It is just one spring training outing, but it is a good test because 
this Diamondbacks lineup today was probably uh, pretty much all of them were going to be their starting position players. That that's that seemed like their starting lineup is what they threw out there today. Um, I liked what I saw from Robert Suarez a little bit. I, I liked more from what I saw from Hader than Suarez today. Suarez, he allowed a single, allowed a walk, but it ended up still being a scoreless inning. He still got out of it. Um, so he was not, like Bob Melvin said after the game, I agreed with him. He was not as sharp as he can be, but this was his first Cactus League spring training outing this year. So obviously we're not overreacting to this. Uh, Josh Hader, he looked good. Struck. He had a strikeout, first batter that he faced, and then two flyouts uh, in that fourth inning. Looked good. His first outing as well, him and Suarez. I think it was Steven Wilson's first outing as well. He had a scoreless inning after Hader left the game. Uh, and then, as I said earlier, Campy with that home run, 447 feet to center. Um, he did strike out three times, though, and he didn't have the smoothest game behind the plate. There was a ball that was, I don't know if they labeled it as a pass ball or probably a wild pitch because it was in the dirt. But it was one where it's not like he had to reach for it and that's he could only pick it. Like it was, He could have gotten in front of it and blocked the ball, but he instead tried to pick it, and it got past him, a run scored. Just wasn't the, I, I didn't think it was the smoothest game for Campy behind the plate. He did. It, it is progress. He, there was a pop-up. Remember the first one in Peora? He dropped, and then Kinnear gave up a home run later that at, that at bat. Uh, it was 0-2-2 outs, dropped the pop-up, then a home run's hit. This one, there was a pop-up, pretty much same scenario, and he caught it, so making progress there. Uh, and yeah, you don't want to see the three strikeouts. There were some times in this game where you know he'd swing fastball like at his eyes, and he'd swing at it. So the plate discipline probably needs to improve, but he's not Austin Nola, right? Austin Nola, he doesn't strike out much. But he also is not going to hit it 447 to dead center, right? So there, there's there's differences there between those two guys. Nola, he's the starting catcher for a reason. I think he's just the better catcher overall right now. Uh, but Campy, like he has the talent to become the starting catcher. He just has to put some work in, right? And he is putting that work in. I'm, I'm not here. I don't want to sit here and just bash on Campy. Like he has put in work. He He's more, it seems like he's more of like a, a quiet guy, but he has started to become more comfortable uh, communicating better with pitchers and working uh, on the communication and the game planning. Uh, and it seems like he's happier and just more confident than he was in past camps. So that's good. Um, the story obviously today was Fernando. It always is going to be unless like a freak injury happens, but it's always going to be Fernando. This might have been the first time that some of us Padres fans saw Fernando play this season, this Cactus League, uh, in 2023, because the first game was on the webcast, and some people didn't watch it because they didn't know that it was on a webcast. Um, and, or the, excuse me, not the first game. The last game was on the webcast. The first game, that game was audio only, right? That game was not on a webcast. And we were getting videos from people that were there. And MLB posted videos later 
that I tweeted out, but that was not live. That was hours later that we saw them, right? And it was like from the press box. It wasn't great camera angles, which I'm fine with. But like I've said, I, I, I hope that the Padres in the future or just Major League Baseball teams or Major League Baseball, if the game's not going to be televised by either team, just put it on a webcast. Is it really that hard? I'm not asking for announcers. Like You don't need to have radio guys over it or TV guys over it, but just put the webcast up there so we can see it. Like That would be cool. Uh, all you need is one. You don't need multiple cameras. Like That's great. I think the Padres use multiple cameras, but just one camera, if it's from the press box, okay, at least it's there. Like At least give us an option to watch the game. Um, yesterday, the Padres game was Marquee Sports Network, and only people that had MLB TV could watch it. It was supposed to be, it said it was going to be on MLB Network for out of market, and the Padres fans, San Diego, was considered out of market yesterday, or at least it should have been, because there was no TV broadcast in San Diego for it. So we should have gotten it on MLB Network, but turned it to MLB Network, and it wasn't there. Like, MLB has... They do a great job at making it hard for baseball fans to watch their product. Um, so hopefully they can improve on that, but uh, I'm not, you know, keeping my hopes up. You know, I'm not, uh, look, they're, they're always, there's always going to be an issue, it seems like, until MLB does, like, what my dream is and just put all the games on MLB TV or at least have them available on MLB TV and have us be able to have the Padres package if we only want the Padres package or have us allow us to have the Padres and MLB package as a whole, just be able to watch any game, all of them on MLB TV, like find a way to do that. Like that's the dream, right? Like I think fans would be more than glad to pay that if it's all on one, one place. I know that's probably not realistic because different networks, they want, it only on that network, only on their streaming apps and all that. But we can only hope. That's my hope is what happens there at some point. Uh, but Tatis, so today he was 0 for 3, struck out twice. First at-bat, it was a good at-bat. Um, struck out swinging, ground out in his second at-bat. And then the third at-bat against Chafin, it was all, I think it was all breaking balls. He barely tipped the ball, um, fouling it off early, or in the middle of that at-bat, and then he couldn't check his swing. Um, look, again, I'm not overreacting to any of these at-bats. I'm actually, like, I don't care if he strikes out right now because it's March 4th. I'm looking at his at-bats as positive things. Like, he's having competitive at-bats. It seems like all of them are competitive at-bats. He's fouling off pitches. He's not trying to do too much. There are some times where he's going to swing out of his shoes, but that's that's who Fernando is sometimes. But I, I, do, I do like his plate discipline. What I've seen so far, I'm encouraged by that. He's not swinging at every pitch. He's taking walks uh, when it's given to him for the most part. So I like what I'm seeing out of Fernando so far at the plate. In the field, some people... Don't like what they've seen. Uh, it hasn't been the smoothest, but I saw some encouraging signs today. Was his route to the ball that he slid and caught, was that the smoothest route? No, it was not. Um, kind of like a banana route. Uh, um, the broadcaster, Bob, 
it, it sucked that we had to listen to Bob Brenly today, but he did make that good point that it was kind of like a banana route and he slid and kind of maybe had some Padres fans holding their breath there because the wrist and all that. Um, uh, uh, just go at Talking Fires on Twitter, Instagram, or I think I posted it here on YouTube as well. You can see that sliding play if you were not watching it. Um, I mean, those are some of the plays like Bomel was saying the other day about when Tatis dropped that ball and right. Some of that's going to happen, and then he's going to make some plays that other outfielders aren't going to be able to make because of his athleticism. And I think that was one of those plays. Maybe if like another outfielder was out there, a more seasoned vet, maybe had a better route to the ball, they would have caught it and wouldn't have had to slide or something like that. But what other outfielders are going to take a bad, not a bad, not as good of a route as they could have taken to the ball and still catch that ball? Not many, but Tatis is one of them. The ball that he caught on the warning track later in the game. Uh, Steven Wilson, I believe, was on the mound. Some fans were like, that wasn't that great of a catch. That wasn't really a good play. He made it harder than it should have been. But someone that has played the outfield before, obviously not in spring training like that, but someone that has had to deal with the sun before in the outfield and going back on balls, that's not easy. He ran back, had to go run to the warning track, make sure you know he's feeling right for the wall, and then look up, find the ball in the sun, and then catch it. Yeah, when he ran to the wall and he looked up, he had to go to his right to go catch it, so that's why it didn't look that pretty, but that was a challenging play. And he made the play. At the end of the day, it's a results-based business, right? Like Don likes to say, or Mud, whoever says it. I think they both say it now. It's a results-based business, and he made the catch. It counted as an out. That's all that matters. Spring training, I know the results don't always matter, but with the progression in the outfield that I'm seeing already from Tatis, I'm encouraged. Dropping that ball, the first action that he saw, or the second, the first day, the second, um, the second play, the second chance that he had, yeah, that, that was not great to see, but we know that it's not going to be smooth. His transition to the outfield, probably, maybe not full-time, but almost full-time in 2023, it's not going to always be smooth, right? The ball always seems to find those people that are transitioning to different positions. But I'm fine with the ball finding Tatis. He needs the reps. I don't think that they're going to be having him play the outfield every game. They probably just want him to get at bat some games and get him off of his feet a little bit. But yeah, I, I want him to get reps. I want him... You don't want him to make errors. I don't want to make it seem like I want him to, to fail. but I want him to learn from these things, right? And have these situations, these tough situations, dealing with the sun, different routes, uh, having to make running catches to his left and learn, hey, maybe I shouldn't try to go catch that with two hands. Maybe try to catch it with two hands on balls that are at me, just lazy fly balls that are right to me. But when I'm running to make catches, catching it with two hands, maybe that actually makes it harder on me and catching it with one and just focusing and make sure I catch it with one. You know, like little things like that. If he's failing right now in spring training, okay, whatever. You know, um, people are, when I post the video, people are saying, why are you posting negative stuff? Why are you hating? I'm not hating. People are interested in Tatis, and so I'm going to post it. I'm not saying Tatis sucks. No, I, I like that he is having to adjust 
and he he's learning right he these learning experiences i want this to happen in spring training i don't want him doing this in the regular season and even if he does it's not the end of the world because again this is going to be his first season as an outfielder 2021 he went to the outfield because of the subluxations right so he has time to adjust again it's early in march not overreacting i don't think him with these routes not the best routes it's not anything to be concerned about right now maybe be concerned about it if it's april 20th and he's doing this uh but right now he's just making adjustments he's learning to play outfield in games right like it's one thing when someone's hitting you fly balls hitting fungos uh, a coach is hitting you fungos or during even batting practice um it's another thing in games where there's the fans there, you're dealing with the sun, different angles, just balls, because it's different. You know, batting practice, guys aren't throwing 99, guys aren't throwing 95, right? And different spins off the bat, right? It's different in games than it is in batting practice or just on these backfield drills that they do. So it's going to take some time for him to adjust. So. Don't, don't, no need to overreact if he continues to maybe struggle a little bit out there. He, he doesn't look like Ken Griffey Jr. out there on day one or day 15 or day 30 because it's not, he's not going to, right? Set your expectations a little lower. John says Tatis will be fine. Better to have slow start in March than April. Yeah, I agree. Uh, John says, expect 36 home runs, 33 stolen bases, and top 10 MVP finish by October. Wow. Uh, top 10 MVP, I could see. Winning the MVP might be tough because just writers are going to say, well, he already wasn't helping his team at the beginning of the year because he was suspended. He doesn't have the same amount of games played as Paul Goldsmith or Nolan Arenado or someone like that or Soto or one of his teammates. So, no, I'm not voting him as MVP. So I don't expect him to win the MVP this year, but top 10 MVP, that's definitely doable. Even if he, well, when he does miss the top, the first 20 games, because he has to, because he's suspended, uh, top 10, that's definitely realistic. 36 home runs is a lot. I could see, like, he could at 36. I mean, what did he play, like 130 games in 2021? And he hit 42, so... And he was, he wasn't fully healthy. So yeah, that's that's doable. Uh, I'd go more like thirty home runs. I don't know how much he's going to steal. Um, I don't think that the Padres. It doesn't seem like early on they're not putting a green or excuse me a red light on him. They're giving him the green light. So he's going to steal bases. Uh, but thirty three is a lot still. I think. But when the regular season comes and pitchers might get uncomfortable seeing Tatis at first and they're going to pick off twice and they know they have to get him if they throw over a third time, so they're probably not going to throw over and Tatis can just run, uh, you could see an increase in stolen bases there. So it is doable, John. Yeah, 36 home runs, 33 stolen bases is doable. I would, I would say that he's not going to get to that amount in – uh, home runs. I think he could get there in stolen bases. How many did he steal in 2021? I know it's different circumstances because he's fully healthy going into this season. 
but I just want to see a comparison here. So he had 25 stolen bases in 2021, 130 games, which if he plays 130 games this year, I will be very happy about that because he's on the field and he's only eligible to play 142 of them, right? So he's only missing like 12 games. Yeah, sign me up for that. So let's say he plays 130, which I think we should probably expect him to play less than that, to be honest. But maybe that's just only my opinion. And some other people think that we should expect him to play 140 games and not have an off day when he comes back. I don't think that's realistic. Um, but yeah, 2021, 42 home runs when he wasn't fully healthy, 25 stolen bases, almost drove in 100 runs. So yeah, that 30, what'd you say, John? 30, 36, 33. Yeah, that, that is doable. I'd say less home runs, but I, I could definitely see him doing that with stolen bases, with bigger bases and the limited pickoffs and just his aggressiveness anyway. I could see that. CBS 121, Tatis will be fine. SD fan 44 says he's chasing like crazy, makes me nervous for the shoulder. Even though he got the surgery, it still makes me feel uneasy. Well, I think you're not alone. I think some fans, yeah, they're going to, whenever Tatis is on the field, they're probably going to have that thought in the back of their heads. Like, oh man, is Tatis going to dive here and get hurt? Is he going to swing and you know, swing really hard and he's going to hurt his shoulder again. But he does have the surgeries and that's not what he had in 2021. That's not what he had if he would have returned last year. So I'm more confident that he's not going to have those subluxations anymore. Uh, maybe he has one or two because I don't think the surgeries, if I remember correctly, the surgeries when he had them at the time, I think some writers were saying that it doesn't eliminate the chances of a subluxation but it does increase the chances pretty good, if that makes sense. So I think you're going to get less of them, less shoulder um, injuries, wrist injuries. Maybe there's going to be some soreness, but hopefully that goes away after he gets you know consistent playing time. And the chasing part, like that, that also, I'm not worried about him chasing, like chasing balls outside the zone. Like sometimes he's going to do that, we know that's if you've watched Tatis, if you were watching him in 2019, you, you were watching him in 2021, pitchers were able to get Tatis out if they threw him balls low and away, up and in a little bit, they were able to get him out. Fastball high and away, it seemed like he didn't strike out a whole lot on those pitches. Uh, but you're able to, you can get Tatis out in a couple areas, at least from the last time I remember him getting consistent at bats. Maybe that has changed. Maybe he's going to be more disciplined. Uh, but he's going to chase balls outside the zone. That's just the way it is. Um, SD fan 44 again says that sliding catch was pure luck. Even if it was pure luck, he's still adjusting to playing in the outfield. Like if it was, it's, I don't see that that's pure luck because if it was pure luck, then, I, I don't know. I mean, Tatis, it's hard for me to sit there and say that anything he does is pure luck because of how great of an athlete he is, right? 
Like the sliding catch, yeah, it was not the best route. But you're saying that him catching the ball was luck? I don't think it was luck. I think part of it was the athleticism and him willing to go slide. And when some guys maybe coming off surgeries and stuff and it's spring training, probably they wouldn't be sliding for balls in spring training. But that's just the way he plays. So I don't think that's luck. I think that's attributing. I think you got to attribute some athletic of his, some of his athleticism to that. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. And yeah, he could have gotten hurt. He could get hurt doing a lot of things. That's just the way Tatis plays. Restricting the way he plays, I don't know if that's the smartest thing, to be honest. Because part of the reason he's so great is because he does things that other players don't do. Mills says, Tatis does not belong in the outfield. I don't see why people want him out there. Uh, I want him out there because that's our best team. That's our best lineup. You could DH him, then, but where you're putting, you're putting Carpenter in the outfield or you're putting Nelson Cruz out there? <laughs> Come on. No, you're not. Uh, I like him out there because... He's an athlete. He has a great arm, and that can help him in right field. That allows Soto to be in left field instead of right field, which should help Soto defensively. You have Grish in center. It allows Bogarts to be on the team and play shortstop, which he got better at last year. Allows Manny to be at third base. Allows Kim to shift over to second. Crony to shift over to first, which is the best infield defense. I think if you're going to have Bogart at short, having Kim at second, Crony at first, having Crony at first, is, I think, is a better infield defense than having Matt Carpenter there or having someone else at first base. Um, so I want the best lineup out there. I, was, I want the best players out there, and having Tatis in the outfield does that. So that's why I like him being in the outfield. Maybe my opinion will change on that after seeing him in a full season, but Okay, Mills, you say he doesn't belong there. Maybe he doesn't belong there right now because he doesn't have a lot of reps there. But he's going to belong there by the end of the year, I think, because he's going to adjust to it. And when you see him throwing down, throwing out runners from right field uh, and making diving catches and catching balls with one hand in, in, instead of trying to go with two on running balls in the gap, making catches in the gap, stuff like that, catches that other guys probably wouldn't make you'll probably think that he belongs more in the outfield but right now okay that that's fine for you to say he doesn't belong in the outfield because he hasn't played a lot of games there but i mean 
I have faith that he'll be able to adjust. Maybe that's just me, but I have faith that he'll that he can adjust. Devin says him running into the wall and stretching his shoulder while diving head first does make me a bit concerned, but then again, the shoulder is less likely to fall out of its socket. Yeah, that's true. But if he's in the infield, he could get hurt diving, right? He could collide with another infielder on a pop-up. Like, yeah, there's the wall there, and he's going to have to adjust to that, and that's something to, I guess, fans are, that's something that fans are probably going to be worried about a little bit. But I think in the outfield, he just has, he has a ton of room to, to run. And I think he's going to like that part of it. And there, there's concern with whatever position he's going to play, there's going to be con injury concern because of the way that he plays and the way that he puts his body on the line sometimes, right? There's the spring training game today. This isn't him in the field, but at the plate, second at bat, he has the ground ball, and he's busting it out of the box, and he almost beats the throw. And I know he's getting himself ready for the season, and he wants to get used to running out balls like that, but part of you is like, uh, you don't need to be doing that. Can we do Manny? Can we be like Manny here in spring training? Just jog down the line. You don't need to be sprinting. Don't need to have a hammy pulled or anything like that. We don't need that. We don't need a Gavin Lux situation, um, which sucks to see just as a baseball fan in general. I know we hate the Dodgers, but you never want to see that injury happen, right? At, at any time, but especially in spring training to a guy that was going to be the starting shortstop and he was finally going to get that opportunity, right? Uh, but, you know, so with Tatis, it's like, I don't want to see him get hurt busting it down the line in a game that doesn't matter. Uh, but that's just the way he plays. He's not going to do that every time. In 2021, he didn't bust it down the line every time. He gave more like 70% instead of 100% like he did in 2019, where he was hustling like every, didn't matter what happened, he was hustling. Uh, and he knows he can't do that if he wants to have a real career, like a, like a, a long career, uh, and wants to be healthy all the time and be like Manny and be on the field all the time. He can't do that see byron buxton he goes all out he hasn't played over 100 games since when like 2015 probably was he in the league 2015 was it 2018 2019 when was that buxton he hasn't played in 100 game over 100 games since 2017 that's that's what it was and he goes all out so maybe he's gonna adjust a little bit this year we'll see with him there's just guys like that. They, they just play with such aggressiveness that sometimes it's like, can we scale it back a little bit? But it's probably hard for Tatis to do that because it's just natural reaction. I know when I was, um, not to compare high school to major leagues, but when I was in high school playing center field, uh, even in batting practice, like, I would go all out because that's just my natural instinct. A ball was hit in the gap in batting practice, and I'm going all out. While guys are just standing there, I'm going all out, making sliding plays in the outfield or diving. Like that's just the way I was. That's just the natural instinct. I don't. I'm not thinking of it as oh, it's just batting practice. I can let up. I'm thinking of it as there's a ball in the gap. I want to go make this catch. You know, and that's probably how Tatis thinks. So. It's hard to tell a guy, hey, slow down. All right, I'll get back to the chat. Was there anything else I wanted to hit on? Um, 
I'll get back to the Soto thing as well. Hit on that one more time. But first, check out Gaglione Bros' famous cheesesteaks and garlic fries on Friars Road. You can visit their website, gaglionebros.com, for their entire menu and enjoy their cheesesteaks and fries at Petco Park and Snapdragon Stadium as well. All right. So if you're just joining, again, the Soto update from this morning from Bomel, he's not going to be playing tomorrow, didn't play today. He's still dealing with the calf soreness a little bit, and the Padres, they're just being precautionary about that. Bob Melvin said Soto's fine. He's going to take some backfield at bats, I believe, tomorrow on Sunday, March 5th. That's when Sunday is tomorrow. Um, just for those that are listening to this on replay or podcast, I'm doing this March 4th. Uh, so tomorrow he'll probably take some backfield at bats. And then he's going to be leaving with Manny and Nelson Cruz, Luis Garcia to Miami, I believe, for the WBC preparation. Their first game's March 11th. So Soto should have time to get that calf ready for that action. But Padres fans were probably going to be sitting there worried about if he's going to go be going all out because he's probably going to in the WBC. Hopefully this calf thing, he doesn't hurt it more or it continues to be sore and it's a lingering thing going into the season because we know going into the season, once the season starts, he's going to want to be playing every day because that's just who he is. He doesn't want to miss games. He's like Manny. Doesn't want to miss games. Bogarts doesn't want to miss games. So you don't want these things to be lingering uh, because once the season starts, it's kind of like now you're just managing it like all year long or maybe until the All-Star break. But then Soto might be playing in the All-Star game, you know, and doing stuff then still, too. All right. Back to the chat. Devin says, Tatis has a five-tool player potential, in my opinion, making him more versatile. I agree. Can't be smoked that ball in left center. Hopefully he makes the roster. We need some power from the catcher department. He's making the roster. I mean, they're not going to put Pedro Severino on the roster over Campy. Campy's going to be the backup. Nola's going to be the starting catcher. And once Campy proves that he can be trusted by the pitching staff, the majority of the pitching staff. He can be improved defensively, um, maybe improve the plate discipline a little bit at the plate, then you know, strike out a little less, then, then I think the Padres will give him much more starting time. But I think he's, he, he's making the roster. He's going to be a backup. If he doesn't make the roster, then something went wrong, or he got hurt, or they made some unexpected addition. Uh, Devin says, I missed your show yesterday and I apologize. No, no worries. You don't need to be here every show. Uh, my thoughts on the hater contract extension is I would be fine bringing him only if it's a fair bargain. I don't want to overpay him. That, yeah, I am kind of with that same thought process. So if anyone missed that, I gave my thoughts on the potential hater extension. Like, would we, which should the Padres give hater an extension? Would I do that if I was AJ Preller? Because John Heyman came out with a report the other day saying that the Padres, they're going to be talking with Hayter, with Soto, about possibly getting extensions done. Um, Soto, two more years of control, so there's probably no rush there. Definitely no rush on Soto's part. And Hayter, he's a free agent at the end of the season, so there's, more, there's going to be more urgency there if they really want to get an extension done. Or maybe this is just a filling out process of 
what a contract's going to take with Hader. But I think the Padres probably know what a contract's going to take, what what it's would have to look like. It's going to have to look like at least what Edwin Diaz got, which was five years, $102 million from the Mets, which is over $20 million a year that the Mets are giving to their closer, who's not playing every day. The Padres, they just gave Robert Suarez over $9 million a year. You want to double that, more than double that for five years for Hader? I don't know if they want to do that, right? That That's that's a big question. Because Hader's probably going to want a long deal. He's not going to want like a three-year deal because then when the contract ends, he'll be in his 30s and relievers, the, you don't get paid as much when you get into the 30s. At least that's what it seems like. When you get into your 30s, it seems like the deal's aren't going to be like five-year contracts. They're going to end up being more like two, two, three-year contracts. Like Diaz right now is 28. He got five years. Getting two, three years, that's going to set up for probably not as big of a contract at the end of that deal. So Hater's probably going to want what Diaz got. Um, but yeah, Devin, I agree, you know, I'd be fine bringing him back. I'm not going to complain if the Padres bring Josh Hader back. Just giving over $20 million a year to a guy who pitches the ninth inning, and it's really him pitching one inning at a time. He's not really a multi-inning guy anymore like he was early in his career. Uh, there's, it gives me some pause to be given over $20 million to Hader. But it's not my money. Peter's willing to spend a bunch of money. But I think that the Padres, they, they extended, or excuse me, not extended, they signed Robert Suarez to be the closer because they didn't want to give Hader that much money. That's what I got from the Suarez contract. Yeah, Vladdy's going to miss the WBC with the knee injury. I don't know. Knee inflammation is what the Blue Jays, I think, are describing it as. I don't know. Who's going to replace Vladimir Guerrero Jr. there? Um, I, I think that brings the DR's roster a little bit down, if that makes sense. It makes it more of a tight race between them and Team USA for who's the best roster, who should be the favorite to win the tournament. Um, unfortunately, they're not going to be facing off in the final. It would be, I think the semis would be when they would face off if they get out of their groups. I think that's one, or maybe I'm wrong on that. Maybe it's not the semis. Maybe it's the the quarters after they get out of pool play. But it, it they're not on opposite sides of the bracket. I do know that. It would be possible for like DR against Japan or DR uh, against who's who else is on that side? Korea, um, USA against Japan. Like that's possible, but not DR and USA. I think they did that on purpose so that they could have the best chance at getting those two teams to match up. They didn't want to put those two teams in the same bracket pool play-wise, but you know they didn't want to make it maybe like the matchup in the final because then it might not happen. One of those team, two teams could get knocked off, and then you don't get, that, you don't get to see the matchup. And that team's not in the final. John says, let's talk Soto extension, 14 years, 502 million. I mean, a, a few guys were throwing out numbers last night, and it was like 460, 470, around 14, 15 years. And I'm fine with that. 
500 mil seems like a lot right now. But we'll see what Otani gets at the end of the season. Because whatever Otani gets, Boris is going to use that. And he's going to probably demand other teams and demand the Padres to at least give Soto what whoever gets Otani gave Otani. Because he's younger, he plays every day. Um, maybe the injury risk is a little bit lower with Soto than Otani because Soto doesn't pitch. Like I said last night, pitching injuries that could affect hitting and prevent him from hitting. If he gets hit when he's hit when he's hitting, excuse me, or running the bases, maybe that hurts. Maybe he's not going to be able to pitch. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. I mean. I don't think 500 is out of the question, but I don't I don't think that would be the Padres' first extension offer. I'll say that. 440, which is what he rejected from the Nationals, 502, that's a big jump. I think the Padres would want to offer more like 450, start it there, and see how he responds with that. Maybe they don't do an offer now. Maybe they do because like Buster Only was saying the other day, I think it was yesterday. I'm going to pull up his tweet here and read it. I think this was last night. He was talking about the Padres and talking to agents and executives. Here it is. It's been noted by agents and rival team execs that any candidates for an extension playing for San Diego, so Hader, Soto, those two guys fit that description, uh, may not have a better chance for the biggest deal of their respective careers than right now. San Diego's playing a different money game than anybody in willingness to assume long-term risk. So maybe Hayter does sign the extension. Maybe if the Padres approach Hayter with an extension, it's like Diaz money. He signs it because who knows? He could get hurt this year and that plummets his value in free agency. Um, so if the Padres are willing to take on that long-term risk on a heater contract or a Soto deal and give him $500 million in an extension offer, maybe Soto takes that because he's like, hey, 500 mil, hey, I'm good with 500 mil. That's a lot of money. That's an improved offer from the Nationals offer, which is what I wanted in a trade here or in free agency. I can be on a contender. Maybe he takes that. Um, and it's, it's a good time for the Padres to go negotiate with Hayter and Soto right now because they're just they've they've been making a lot of splashy moves right extending Darvish signing Bogarts to a long deal extending Manny like they're telling Hayter they're telling uh Soto they're telling them hey we're trying to win we're gonna we're setting this team up this franchise up to be a contender for the next decade come join us come be a part of this locked we want to lock you down and be a part of this core for the next decade, in Soto's case, next five years, uh, for Hater's case, you want to win. Where, what what better place are you going to have to win than here? I mean, there's other places that you're going to be able to contend, but we're giving you this money right now. Like we're we know that there's risk to this, and you can take this money and have it guaranteed to you. That might be appealing to them. Kenny asks, isn't Hayter the best reliever in baseball? How can you overpay? I mean, he is one of them. Yeah, I think Diaz probably has 
is the number one reliever right now. But Hader, him not being a top 10 reliever, according to MLB Network, is just stupid. I totally disagreed with that. Him not being, uh, I don't think he's a top 100 player on their list. I disagree with that. He is one of the best relievers in baseball. I agree with you, Kenny. Um, so how can you overpay? That That's a, a valid question. Um, I think the overpay would come just giving over $20 million to a guy that doesn't play every day. Um, the guy that you're okay with being a, the closer next year, you gave less than, or excuse me, more than half. No, it'd be less than half. You gave him less than half of what you'd give Hayter per year on a contract, or at least less than half of what Diaz is making. So that's where it's like, well, does Hayter, does it make sense for us to be giving Hayter 20 plus million dollars a year when Suarez could just be the closer for less than 50% of that? I, I think that's where the, maybe the overpay thing gets in there. But again, with Peter Seidler, like, yeah, are we overpaying Bogart? Sure. Are we going to be overpaying Manny when he's like 40? Probably. Uh, but that's the price of doing business now, right? If you want these guys for the rest of their prime, that's what it takes. So I'm not going to complain if they get Hater. I like Josh Hater. I think that he's one of the best relievers in baseball. But if I was looking at it from AJ's view, I don't know if he's super high on extending Hater for like five, six years. The GOAT says Soto's 24 and will be 25 in October. Yeah, but I'm talking, I think you're referring to when I said he's going to be 26 at the end of uh, the contract. That's what I meant. I know what his age is now, but when he is going to be a free agent, he's going to be younger than Otani. What's Otani right now? Like 30? Otani's age is, oh, he's 28 right now. So he'll be a couple years younger than Otani will be. When Otani's a free agent. So there's that too. That Boris will probably use. In negotiations. In extension negotiations. Or in free agent negotiations. If it gets to that point. So we'll see. All right. If you have any more comments. Any more questions. Feel free to use them. or Feel free to put them in the chat. Super chats. I'll get to those. If you put any in there. Um, but I did, before I get out of here, I did want to hit on some other things that are going around in San Diego sports, uh, San Diego state. They have their senior night tonight, seven o'clock, a rope, Mensa, Bradley, and Seiko. Those are four guys that will be playing their last game at Viejas tonight. There's some others that we don't know about. Jaden Ladie, it seems like he's going to come back. Seems like Tremel's going to come back. Uh, we know Butler's coming back. Um, I think Keisha Johnson's going to come back, but we don't know about that yet. Um, I was reading in the Union Tribune today, earlier today, and that seemed like the biggest question mark. Uh, if, did I mention Ladie? He's coming back, I think. Um, so that's good. There's going to, yeah, Parrish is going to be back. So there's going to have a, a pretty solid core still um, next year. Uh, but these guys will be missed, and Seiko can tie the Mountain West record with. Uh, Jimmer Fredette out of BYU, most wins by any player in Mountain West history. That can be tied tonight by Seiko. If the Aztecs can beat Wyoming, that's at seven. I think they will. Wyoming stinks this year. They're without their best player, Graham Ike. Uh, and I don't see San Diego State playing bad 
like they did at the end there against Boise. I think they're they'll be able to grab rebounds. I don't think that they're going to allow Wyoming to go on a 14-0 run to end a game. So I think they're going to win and set themselves up well going into the Mountain West Conference tournament. Some other San Diego sports stuff. Uh, the San Diego Seals they played the first outdoor lacrosse game. I think I could be wrong on that, but I think it's the first. Uh, at Snapdragon Stadium today, they beat the Las Vegas Desert Dogs 15-12. to um, San Diego State Baseball, they're 3-5 and five so far this season. They started off 0-5, oh so they won three in a row. San Diego State football, uh, excuse me, not football, softball. Uh, they're 11-6 entering today. They um, Maggie Ballant was like their ace pitcher last year. She is, she's in the pros now, um, so they're not going to be as good as they were last year. They still have Mac Bar Barbara, excuse me. Uh, so we'll see how they end their season. They just started. Uh, USD Baseball, 5-3-1 entering today. They're uh, up in Eugene playing Oregon. Two losses in a row so far this weekend to Oregon. Uh, USD Softball, 5-14. Losses to Fullerton and UCLA. UCLA a couple times uh, this season. Uh, the Loyal, San Diego Loyal, they start on March 11th. The San Diego Waves start on March 25th at home against the Chicago Red Stars. So, Mal Swanson against Alex Morgan. Super pumped to see that. And that's going to be a great time. End of March here, Waves starting, and then the Padres starting a few days later on March 30th against the Rockies. First of many sellouts at Petco this season. Uh, San Diego State women's basketball, 22-9. and in the regular season, uh, good season for them. They finished third, I believe, in the conference. UNLV is number one. Um, so they will be heading to the Mountain West Tournament as the three seed uh, this coming week. Um, I'll get back to the comments here in a second, but I do see someone here that wants to join the show. What's up, man? What's your name? You're on the uh, show now. What's oh, up? Manny. What's up, bro? Ma what's up? Lake Machado. Okay. Manny, what's up, man? What's up, bro? So are we doing SDSU or Friars right now? No, you talk talk about the Padres. Whatever. You can do whatever. Oh, oh, okay. Just what's uh, on just what yeah, just uh what's on your mind? So do you think we should sign so extend Soto right now? Fine. Because of the financial reason or at the end of the season? Oh, I mean, Padres probably now because I don't see Soto have an, having another down year for him. If he yeah, has an MVP caliber season like the projections are saying he will, then the price tag is only going to go up. Uh, but Soto probably is not in any rush to sign an extension right now yeah. because he has two more years left. He probably believes he's going to have an MVP caliber season this year, which he knows will elevate the price tag or keep it For at sure. really, really high. So he's not in a rush. I don't see an extension getting done before the season. Uh, I see. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Anything else? Uh, No, not really. What have you, have you been watching? Have you uh, been watching some of the spring training games? I, I can't because um, my family doesn't have MLB Network and that stuff. Uh, yeah, this see? Probably sports going bankrupt. Yeah. Yeah, see, we'll see. Some fans, like, or I mean, the publications 
I don't know if you've been reading some stuff. Like, we don't even know if Bally's going to have opening day. Yeah, no, I think, I've been I reading they, that stuff for sure. Yeah, I think they will have opening day. I think Don and Mud, they're going to just proceed as regular. Like, they can't control that stuff. Uh, yeah. So it's going to be on Bally. But maybe at some point this year, it's just not going to be on Bally. And then Major League Baseball will pick up the streaming. Um, and maybe it'll be on MLB TV. I don't know how that process is going to work. Like if Bally does go bankrupt and they can't show the games, then is it just going to be on MLB TV and fans have to buy the package? Or is MLB going to make it free on the app to fans? I don't know how that's going to work. Uh, I hope it doesn't get to that point. Yeah. But maybe some, maybe some fans do hope it gets to that point because they don't like Bally anyway. Uh, I, I liked Bally, but, but since they've, haven't been able to post as many games and financial problems with them. It's, I'm not a fan of it anymore. Yeah. Uh, and th- there's some people that like, don't like the score bugs and uh, how they have other, yeah, like, other, um, he other like how it goes. they have like NHL scores on the bottom and people, some people don't care about that Yeah, or like they have NFL scores during game or during, you know, Sunday games. Oh, people yeah, don't care about that. Yeah. yeah. So, there's some stuff that they don't like about like that, the visual aspect, but then there's some other stuff where like, you know, the Bally sports plus, I think it is yeah. where there's, there's like the app and you can pay a specific amount of money per month to I watch think it's like, your team, but the Padres aren't on that. So yeah, you have like some I, tr- fans. I tried doing that a couple, like a week ago. And so you paid for it, right? And then no, we did not. they don't, okay. It didn't, it didn't tell us that they had the game. So okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cause there's like certain markets where the Bally sports plus works on like their market, but then for the Padres, it doesn't work. So there's no point in advertising that and making it seem like fans can go pay for that. And they're going to get Padres games. Yeah. So you, you have to have like Cox or direct TV, something MLB like that. You have Network. to have, yeah, you have to have that. And then like YouTube TV, right. They dropped MLB network. I think. I don't like, know if it's on Bally. I don't. I don't know if it's on Bally. I don't know if YouTube TV has Bally either. But they I just make they it hard. It. Okay. They yeah. They just make it hard for fans to enjoy. Watch. It. Yeah. Like you're supposed to be promoting the game. Uh, and like today, the I know this isn't the Padres broadcast, but there's yeah. about to be a great moment where Tatis was going to go give a bat to a kid, and they cut away from it to go show some random fans in the stands. It's like stuff like that. Like that video would have went viral. I would have clipped that posted it or MLB would have posted it. That thing would have went viral because we would have saw the kids reaction. And that would have been great. Uh, And Tatis being a great, uh, his Jersey to a kid. Right. That went viral. Yeah. It would have been like a great human being thing. And they cut away from it. Like stuff like that. MLB, it seems like they just shoot themselves in the foot all the time with that stuff so yeah hopefully the situation gets resolved and it's easier to watch games uh because and watch more so games. many yeah so many fans are they they want they just want anything from this they want as much padres content as possible going into this season yeah. and you know sometimes there's going to be times where fans don't know where the game's going to be and or they they, they don't want to pay for me lately yeah and they I, i'm sure i'm sure you're not alone and there's going to be other fans that are going to want to watch a game and 
well, they don't want to pay 20 bucks a month to, to, to watch that one game and then cancel the subscription. Uh, so just to have it all on one place eventually, hopefully would be great. So we'll see. Yeah. Thanks for joining the show, man. I appreciate Thank it. You. Thank you all for right. letting me on. Of course. Have a good one. Thank you. You too. Bye. All right. Um, so let's get back to the chat here. End it with the chat. John says, once Otani signs, the market will go up again. The salary cap will follow inflation. So there is no concern with the big money contracts today versus 10 years. 10 years from now, I think is what John's saying. So are you saying, John, that like Soto is going to get more money? Oh, that's why it's. John says that's why it's financially beneficial to sign Soto now. Well, yeah, for the Padres sake. But I'm saying that Soto, you know, it's two sides to tango. Like Soto, he's not going to be in a rush to sign an extension right now. I don't think. Because his value is probably only going to go up. The dollar number is probably only going to go up for him. And even if he has two average years for him, he's probably still going to get a lot of money. So he's probably willing to take that risk. Yeah, I agree, Mitch. And the blackout rule. I mean... Hopefully, I mean, this Bally situation, if they go bankrupt, this might like be a great thing for Major League Baseball. You wouldn't think that that's going to be a great thing. One of the TV providers going bankrupt, Bally uh, Sports, but this could force MLB to cancel blackouts for these markets and allow them to watch games on their platform. And MLB is going to sit there and say, look how many people are tuning into these games on our platform. And this is great. Let's do this. Let's not go sign another. Let's not let these teams go sign deals with another Bally brand, someone, another TV network like Bally. Let's do this ourselves and eliminate the blackouts. So this, this could lead to some good things for fans, but maybe not. You know, we'll see. A lot, to, a lot that we talked about today. Uh, some positive signs that I've seen. I've seen so far in spring training. Hater looked good. I'm encouraged by what I've seen from Tatis. And I'll, so uh, that'll do it. Tatis. I don't think he's in the lineup tomorrow, but Manny will be in there. The big names should be in there, except Soto. And then Snow will be on the mound. That game's on Bally, so that's good news. It's on the radio as well. I think 97.3 The Fan. Padres A's tomorrow. Uh, hopefully I'll be back after the game tomorrow. So be ready for that. Thank you everyone for tuning in here. Episode 353 of Talking Friars. See you later. So when